This is a piece by a guy named Larry Taunton. Larry who? Never heard of her. What sort of a man is he? Pick from Bama. A man like any other, but more so. Well, I thought he was dead. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Let's light this candle. Welcome into the Larry Alex Taunton Show. I am, not coincidentally, Larry Alex Taunton. And uh, today we're going to be discussing something very interesting. It is what I call, it's an article that I've, um, that I've published called Enemies of the State, uh, excuse me, Enemies of the Deep State, a Most Wanted List. And by this I mean those people who are the most hated individuals by the American left right now, the individuals who stand in their way, uh, who impede their goal of achieving their entire radical agenda. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But before we do, let's talk about ongoing controversy, and that is um, Bud Light. And the, you know, we're talking Anheuser Busch here, All American Beer. I, listen. Those of us who are listening to us, watching us on DirecTV, on NRB, I'm sure there's no one out there who drinks beer. I'm sure none of you people, you're all Baptists. You've never had one. You've never seen one. You don't even know what I'm talking about. But for the rest of you, let me just simply say this. Uh, you know, there's all these jokes, you know, about Baptists um, that um, if you, um, you want to make sure a Baptist doesn't take your beer when you go fishing, bring two Baptists. You know, something like that. There's also, listen, as a Southern Baptist, I can say things like this. I can make these kinds of jokes. Um, Bud Light went full woke. And in so doing, they alienated their base. And their base tends to be conservative. They tend tend to be, um, you know, America-loving, patriotic, uh, middle-class sorts who drink it. My father liked Budweiser. He didn't even drink Bud White. You know, my it's kind of like that line in um, <laughs> The Quiet Man, the old John Wayne movie, where one of this Irishman, he's drinking whiskey, and um, a woman is afraid, Maureen O'Hara, is afraid he's, he's going to drink too much. And she said, would you like me to mix some water with that? And he says, uh, he says, my lady, <laughs> when I drink whiskey, I drink whiskey. And when I drink water, I drink water. And uh, so I, I think that was my father's philosophy. He was not interested in the light version of any of that. And when he drank Budweiser, he drank Budweiser. That was um, his beer of choice. But I will say this. I, he wouldn't have been buying it if he had seen the LGBTQ tranny you know, stuff that Budweiser put out. And to be clear, Budweiser is not the only American corporation that has been doing this kind of stuff. I was listening to, on Sirius XM radio, uh, I listen to a lot of sports radio, and there's this ad by SoFi. SoFi, I don't know if you've heard this ad. And the SoFi ad says, Amanda is removing, you know, I can't remember, but it's something like difficult things from, from her life. And then it's a man's voice who is speaking, who says, I'm going to get rid of this, I'm going to get rid of that. And then the female voice comes back on and says, 
Amanda's decided to open a, an account at SoFi. What is SoFi? Is SoFi a, a bank? Is it a, an investment firm? What, what is SoFi? In any case, whatever it is, don't use them. And so the female voice is the narrator, but Amanda is a, is a male. So I've written to SoFi to say, hey, what's up with this? Why are you pushing this radical leftist agenda? And we've seen it with the NFL. We've seen it with um, uh, uh, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola has been radical for quite some time. Uh, SoFi is home mortgage loan. So if you're getting a home mortgage, do not use SoFi. Don't use SoFi, which I need to have go across the bottom all running throughout. Maybe you can do this. Throughout the rest of this show, do not drink Budweiser. Do not buy Coca-Cola. Do not go to Disney. Do not watch Disney. Do not... Um, drink Budweiser, which again, people who listen to this show, they don't drink beer. That'd None be a very thing. long list. That would be a very long, well, at least we could put those up. SoFi, Disney, Coca-Cola, Budweiser. Those are, those are all ones that we can, we can put on the list. But the point is to your point, it is a very long list. And, um, what, what you need to understand as listeners is that you are giving them your money to make weapons against you. You need to, um, there is a, a good little website that I subscribe to. I don't know them personally. They have not asked me to say this, but it is a group called Second Vote. Second Vote. Uh, you can find them online. And what Second Vote is all about is your, your first vote being the way you vote you know, in elections. The second vote is what you do with your money. And Second Vote... They, they send uh, an email. I don't know if it's weekly or biweekly or exactly what it is, but they're informing you of which corporations are bending the knee on this sort of thing. Just, just go to second vote. That's 2ND, secondvote.com. You can find them online, and they inform you of what these corporations are doing. If the American people, do you recall what a bunch of Reddit users did to GameStop? Those of you who are, who are not aware of this, they decided that GameStop, they were going to, to uh, inflate their stock, and they did. And that's just with a few thousand people. It was just a few thousand people who did that, and uh, they drove GameStop's um, uh, GameStop, I said GameStop, GameStop, which is a place where you buy video games, GameStop's stock skyrocketing. And that was because it was a very concentrated effort. The point is, I'm personally of the belief that if you use your second vote, that is the way you use your money, where you spend your money, what you invest it in, you, these corporations will quickly come into line. And it's because they will lose billions of dollars, absolutely billions of dollars. So these Reddit users, they went there after all these, they were going after Wall Street. Um, these, these people are shorting the, uh, the, the market on, on Wall Street, and they did it by using GameStop, and then they did it again um, elsewhere. But the point being, they had the ability to do that. You have the ability to do that. If we can get somebody out there who's listening, we'll start organizing us in this regard. And if conservatives, if Christians will begin using their money wisely, saying, Disney, we're not coming to Disney. We're not watching your crap. We're not doing this. We're not getting a loan from SoFi. We're not drinking Coca-Cola. We're not doing this. These are the things that, that, that people need to do. Uh, well, 
for the most part, I think corporate America has kind of gotten away with this because most of us complain about it but don't actually do anything about it. Well, the Budweiser drinking crowd did. And they said, we don't want anything to do with Budweiser anymore. There's plenty of other um, options out there. We'll drink, I don't know, Coors or um, suddenly I, I, I actually don't drink beer. It's not a religious thing. Um, I don't drink beer because I don't like beer. But name some beers for me. There's there's Miller, there's Pabst. Blue, blue, blue. Come on, you've, he's got one over on his table he's sipping right now. But I, I'm joking. He's um, He's not. But there are plenty of other options. And so Budweiser has been trying to backpedal on this. And so now they're trying to, um, to look um, true blue and uh, to look like just the average America, to appeal to the average American. So far, it is not working. I will have to say this. Regardless of what you think about drinking beer, regardless of which beer you like, Budweiser historically has had some of the most brilliant ads Ever. I mean, if you think back to, I think of, you know, back to the 80s and 90s, the Clydesdales, their Christmas ads were spectacular. If you didn't drink beer, when you watched it being poured into a cup and that foam and the, the golden color, it just looks spectacular. It looks so good. And um, Budweiser decided to go all woke. And you've heard the, the saying, go woke, go broke. So we've seen what they have done. Ladies and gentlemen, I think this is kind of a clue for us. It's sort of an indicator of what we can do if we begin using our money and investing it elsewhere. Um, because I'm telling you, this is your money is being used against you when you continue to invest, continue to buy from companies that are hostile to the Christian faith, that are hostile to um, core American, core Christian values. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. When we come back, we're going to get to our uh, the most wanted list, those people who are most hated by the deep state. So join us in just a moment on the other side. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Larry is my favorite player. Welcome back to the Larry Alex Taunton Show. I am Larry Alex Taunton. And uh, we were just talking about in the previous segment of basically how companies have gone woke. So many companies have. And what you can do about that, ladies and gentlemen, is where you, you spend your money. Uh, a second vote is, uh, is a nice little website that you can go to, you can subscribe to, I do, where they inform you about which what companies you should and you shouldn't invest in. Reward companies that are doing the right things. Reward them with your money and punish those that aren't by not giving them your money. Be careful in regards to these kinds of things. And again, it's because companies are doing it because they've calculated they can. They've calculated that you will continue to give them their money, that you'll, you'll complain about it. It'll, it'll bother you a little bit, but you really won't do much about it. And uh, I think that if you begin using your money in the right way, you'll begin to see some change in their behavior. And I do realize some of you will say, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. No point in me stop buying from Coca-Cola if everybody else isn't doing it. Well, you do it and someone else does it. And a few other people do it. You begin telling other people to do it. I promise you, you will see a change in their behavior or they'll go out of business. 
I mean, they can't maintain this forever. There's a reason why Disney fired their previous CEO. And it was because that CEO had gone crazy woke. Uh, Disney still woke, but <laughs> they realized they were losing. I mean, shareholders were losing. Uh, the company was losing billions of dollars. And now Budweiser is facing a similar situation. Continue to punish them until they do the right thing. And speaking of doing the right thing, something that began making its way around, before we get to this, this topic here, something that made its way all over social media in the last couple of days was a, uh, I don't remember if it's a professional baseball player, but his wife was pregnant and had two small children on a flight and gave them popcorn and made a complete mess of the floor around them. And so this guy, I'm, sadly, I wish I could remember his name, had taken to social media to say, the flight attendant had made my pregnant wife pick up all this popcorn for our children. And he was expressing outrage. And then he came back and he said, uh, thank you, everyone, for your support. Um, I think it's United Airlines is now dealing with the situation and with this flight attendant privately. What sensible parent gives, I think these children were like, like two, three, four, five-year-olds, five-year-old, had given, what sensible parent gives their children popcorn? in a situation like that and expects for there to be something other than a complete disaster. And then I add to that, what courteous parent makes a mess like that and then says, it's your job to clean up my child's mess? I personally am of the view, this is absurd. I don't know what the flight attendant did or didn't say. Maybe the flight attendant was rude. I don't know. But parents, we've raised four children. We are sympathetic with parents who have children who are misbehaving. Um, you can't always can, you can't always, you know, control the behavior of your children. Sometimes you're dealing with a colicky, sick baby. You know that's happens. You know you're on a flight and the baby cries nonstop. Um, if something like that happens, I as a parent am distressed because I know that I'm causing. Um, distress of other with other people. They're not liking that. They're, they're not appreciating that. However, there are those parents who seem to think that whatever their children do is cute. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter how badly they behave. I was recently on a flight from, uh, where was I? I was flying from Rome to Barcelona, and a 10-year-old boy is in front of me, and throughout the entire flight, he's making crude gestures to me, looking back between the cracks of the seat, and his brother is egging him on. And these are very crude gestures that he's making for the hour and a half flight, the entire time. And I just continue to look at my book, and I'm doing my best to ignore him. But the parents are sitting right there, and they're doing nothing. And that's bad parent, or maybe they're grandparents, I'm not sure. But that's just bad parenting. And it's bad parenting to hand your kids who are not yet of an age to clean up their own mess or to know not to make a mess, to hand those children popcorn or something else. It was like handing them confetti. The, the seats and the whole area where these children were behind them everywhere was just covered in popcorn and popcorn fragments. 
And this father, who apparently wasn't on the flight, was outraged that the flight attendant told the mother, you should clean this up. And so they lodged their company. Listen, I am not a fan of a lot of the airlines these days. A lot of things you're seeing from the airlines, um, I do my best to say thank you to those flight attendants, to those pilots, to those people working in that industry. It's a stressful industry. We're all stressed. Um, and flying, you're dealing with people who want to get somewhere and are often uh, find the whole situation somewhat stressful. Um, so I make a point of saying thank you to those people who are patient, who are courteous, who are kind, who go the extra mile. And I will complain. I do not mind complaining uh, about those individuals who are not that, um, who treat everybody like they're cattle, who don't really want to do their job that I'm paying them for. I mean, when you're paying for a flight, you're paying for a particular service that you expect. However, if I come on the flight and I make a complete disaster of my area, and then I turn to the flight attendant and I tell her it's her job to clean it all up, that's beyond rude. It's just beyond rude. It's unreasonable. When I leave the flight... It is their job or the, the, the people who come on the plane afterwards and clean up. Who clean up? You know, you got a bottle you left in the seat and you left a wrapper for a granola bar. You know, they come and clean that stuff up. But it's another thing if you just make a complete, I mean, parents, please parents, please parent, please have control of your children. Please discipline your children. Please teach them what is and isn't socially acceptable. Enemies of the state, enemies of the Deep state. You will find this at my on my Twitter profile at, at Larry Taunton. I couldn't get Alex in in there. They they don't allow enough characters for that. So I'm just at Larry Taunton, T-A-U-N-T-O-N. Or you can go to my website at LarryAlexTaunton.com. And this is enemies of the deep state, a most wanted list. Now, again, these are not individuals that I'm saying should be your enemies. They're not individuals who are my enemies. Rather, they are the people that the left is attacking nonstop. And by the way, there's a very simple test to know who the left is most afraid of. And it's those individuals that they attack relentlessly through media campaigns that just go on and on and on. Now, who's the most obvious member of this list? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. I mean, I had barely left Mar-a-Lago a year ago when the FBI sent their stormtroopers in on a panty raid. And I mean, it was, it was quite literally a panty raid. You may recall that they went through the underwear of Melania Trump. Because they said they were there at Mar-a-Lago looking for nuclear codes that, you know, um, uh, supposedly Donald Trump had stolen the nuclear codes. This was all, of course, complete nonsense. We find that Joe Biden, of course, is laundering billions of dollars um, in Seymour Hirsch, by the way, just published yet another stunning article, uh, superb reporting. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner back when that actually meant something. And Seymour Hirsch just revealed that as much as $400 million has been laundered and uh, stolen by Zelensky and his government. I would say that number is way low. 
I suspect it's well into billions. And the article leaves out, and, and I don't think it, I think it's just simply because he doesn't have the evidence for it. It leaves out the biggest criminal of, an all, of them all, the Biden crime family. I mean, they are laundering all kinds of money there. We know, we know that Hunter Biden was being given massive gifts for doing nothing, nothing. So Ukraine is a, is a, a laundering machine. We know that this is what is going on there. And yet, and then, of course, uh, Joe Biden, you know, has uh, 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 classified documents in his garage. You know, this also made headlines just sitting around in boxes in his garage. But guess what? They raid Mar-a-Lago looking for supposedly uh, documents that uh, or nuclear codes that Trump had illegally taken from the White House. And um, these are all efforts to, of course, discredit him. And if they have since indicted him on, again, um, uh, charges that are, are fraudulent. But who are the other people who are attacked? Well, first, let's deal with this, with Trump. Ann Coulter, who I like, and who's been gracious enough to... Um, repost my articles from time to time. I've never met Ann Coulter, and some of you may not like her and may think that she's just a, um, a, a flamethrower. Ann Coulter is smart. Ann Coulter is bright. Whether you like her personality, whether or not you like her approach, Ann Coulter is, is, is quite intelligent, and she often has her finger on the pulse. But in this, she most definitely did not. Ann Coulter said that Democrats don't fear Donald Trump. If they don't fear Donald Trump, they are not attacking him the way they are. They're, they do not want him running for president in 2024, and hence the indictment, hence the raid on Mar-a-Lago, hence the steady media drip. And again, if you think this is something that I'm manufacturing, Time Magazine, after the 2020 election, Time Magazine published a... Um, uh, an article uh, in which they they celebrated and they used the word conspiracy against Donald Trump. They said that there was a, a kind of a coalition of big tech, of media, of um, politicians that met regularly to discuss ways to discredit Donald Trump. So there was a con there was a, a concentrated effort. To do that, so Donald Trump is the most obvious member. There, again, this is my top five. This is my top five in no particular order. I'm not ranking them. It's funny. I will say that I post it online, and somebody says, "Well, I wouldn't put so and so at number one or at number five. Well, I didn't say that. I'm just simply saying this is my top five. So Donald Donald Trump is is definitely on this list, and we'll take care of him. Uh, right away in saying that they have weaponized the Department of Justice uh, against him. And uh, that's why I say Ann Coulter is wrong. I mean, the fact that they are attacking him uh, um, nonstop just screams that they fear Donald Trump in a very big way. The second individual that I would put on this list, again, in no particular order, is Ron DeSantis the governor of Florida. Um, I know that Trump and DeSantis are going at it with each other um, through media. A lot of shots, a lot of veiled shots. Um, and I have to say this about Trump. 
if there's anything about Trump that I dislike, and of course there is, um, it is that that Trump's ego gets in his way quite a lot. I do not think it is politically advantageous for him to attack um, Ron DeSantis. I don't think it's politically advantageous for Ron DeSantis to attack Trump, though there is, uh, it is certainly worth defending yourself. But it just seems to me that this is not a wise political strategy. Almost sneezed. Didn't. Almost sneezed. I was trying to control that, trying to suppress it, but managed to get through. In any case, I just don't see any uh, advantage in that. But regardless of what you think, Ron DeSantis, he is younger than Trump. He's charismatic. He has a beautiful, uh, beautiful wife, beautiful family. Um, she's a woman who has survived cancer. She is um, uh, conducts herself very well in front of the camera in uh, in public. Uh, she gives very much the impression of being very supportive and very much in love with her husband. Uh, DeSantis is uh, media savvy. He's politically astute. And unlike Trump, he is a true conservative. And for those of you who want to jump to the defense of Donald Trump, um, you don't need to. Um, listen, I would take Donald Trump over you know, what we have. Donald Trump is a clever businessman, um, and the country was certainly being run much, much better when he was in charge. However, Donald Trump you know, contributed for decades to Democrats. He was friends with the with the Clintons. That's what actually is kind of interesting is because Democrats have turned on him and turned him into some kind of villain. And that is because they see him as a traitor. They see him as one of them who became one of the opposition. And see, and I, I personally read Trump this way. I think, I think Donald Trump is a, uh, is an excellent businessman and part of being an excellent businessman, as he knows, is that you need to fulfill your promises. If, you, if it becomes known that you as a businessman are always you know, ripping off, um, always uh, the guy who doesn't follow through on handshakes or contracts, people cease to want to do business with you because they determine that you're, um, you know, you're dishonest. They, they just simply don't want to do business with you. I think that Donald Trump... In 2016, he made a bargain with red state Americans, which, of course, he is not. I mean, he is as blue blood as it gets. He made a bargain with red staters, with evangelicals that said, if you vote for me, I will be your man. And he kept it. I know Ann Coulter says he didn't. He did. He He's president of the United States. He's not a czar. He doesn't have the ability to decree that a wall will be built, which is the, the chief thing where she, he, she feels that he failed is in uh, slowing down illegal immigration and um, uh, putting a wall on the southern border. Um, but I think that by and large he kept his promise um, to those people with whom he had a kind of social contract. I will be your man. And by this, I don't mean that Donald Trump doesn't have any conservative impulses. He does as his businessman, not so much socially. Not so much socially. He has not, he has not historically been a staunch um, 
conservative on issues like, say, abortion or gay marriage. However, because he made a deal with evangelicals, he did appoint judges who were. He, and that's maybe, the, that's maybe the greatest achievement of his presidency is what he did on the federal bench. He transformed the federal bench, which now um, the Biden administration is trying to reverse. But um, I think that Trump genuinely loves his country. He loves America. He believes that our borders should be um, you know, uh, uh, defended. Uh, he believes in a proper immigration policy. He believes that the Chinese are dangerous. He sees Russia as a threat. However, he did not want to provoke China uh, and take us to the brink of World War III, which is where we find ourselves now. We now know through these classified document leaks that the United States is not in a cold war, that is to say fighting through intermediaries with the Russians. We now have American boys on the ground in Ukraine, which I predicted is what would happen because it's what always happens in these things. My father was one of 15,000 military advisors who were sent by JFK. JFK is the one who got us into Vietnam, by the way. Who were, sent, who were sent by JFK to Vietnam in, I believe it was 1961. And the uh, again, we're not going to get it. We're just advising them. That was in 1661, 15,000 military advisors. By the time I was born in 1967, we had roughly 600,000 American boys in Vietnam, and we are trending that way, except now we're talking about being in a hot war with a nuclear power, not through intermediaries like Vietnam was with Russia. We'll be back in just a minute, and when we do, we're going to continue discussing this list, our most wanted list, those individuals that the left detests most of all and wants to get them out of their way. We'll be back in just a moment. This show, this ministry is supported by viewers like you. And if you appreciate my work, if you think that what we do at Fixed Point Foundation, if you think that what we do on the Larry Alex Taunton show is helpful to you, please help us. You can uh, make a fully tax-deductible contribution and help us pay for all that it takes, pay for Matt's salary and pay for me being here and for the production of this show. Thank you very much for your viewership and for watching. Welcome back to the Larry Alex Taunton Show. I am Larry Alex Taunton, and we're discussing Enemies of the Deep State, a most wanted list. This is an article that I published as a thread. I've been kind of playing with this, um, with the platform, with Twitter as a platform for publishing um, Twitter threads, basically taking a full article in in releasing it as this kind of Twitter chain. And then you'll find the actual article on my website at LarryAlexTaunt.com. So again, we're discussing enemies of the deep state, a most wanted list. These are the individuals that the left hates most of all. And we know this because they spill the most ink on these individuals. We, they attack these individuals. When you see them attacking someone again and again and again and again, it should raise an eyebrow. You should begin to wonder what's going on with um with this, you know, just as I pointed out um, to many of you 
during the uh, when the when the war started, at least our involvement in the war started in Ukraine. You saw everywhere, er, you know, there was kind of this uniformity in stating that Putin was crazy. Putin is an enemy. He's an enemy of um, of free peoples everywhere. So is the Biden administration. So is the Ukrainian Zelensky. Zelensky is a you know is a is a criminal. Um, the Ukrainian government is every bit as corrupt as the the Russian government. But what you were seeing was this uniformity of opinion. It was kind of like after January 6, everybody was using the word insurrection. It's almost like they all got the same memo. Everybody used the same. They didn't say riot. They said insurrection. It was an insurrection uh, in an effort to sort of justify um, a kind of violence um, against against uh, conservatives. This seemed to be sort of what the what the agenda was about. And so when we're talking about enemies of the deep state, we're talking about those figures who are deemed by the left to be a great threat to their agenda. So first on our list, and again, I don't, at least the first that I mentioned, it's, it's, it's not in any particular order here. They're, I'm not numbering them, but there are a total of five. The first I mentioned is Donald Trump. The second is Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis, because he's the younger version of Donald Trump, but he's, he's less controversial. Now, the left is going to make him controversial, going to make him seem like he is a flamethrower and a fascist, which of course he is not. But he's much more, you know, say Twitter savvy than Donald Trump. He doesn't just say the most outrageous things. And he, you know, something that he has over Trump is that in a head-to-head is that Trump went along with and pushed the vaccines and still is to some extent. And where Ron DeSantis initially was on board with that and then began moving away from mask mandates and moving away from lockdowns. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's pretty important for a lot of conservatives. The next individual that I put on the list is Elon Musk. Elon Musk. The left is obsessed with Elon Musk. And the great irony here is that Musk uh, isn't a conservative in the traditional American sense. Um. But these aren't traditional American times, and a loose coalition of ideological factions is forming against the radical left. And that's, that's a, uh, a coalition that doesn't think America was so broken that it needed radical leftist kind of fixing. These were people who liked America. I recognize that America has problems like any other country, but they, they loved America. And Elon Musk... As an immigrant to the United States, probably, and who made his fortune in the United States, probably recognizes more than the average American does the greatness of America. I mean, he, he immigrated from South Africa. He understands, um, I mean, South Africa is a messed up country. South Africa is a country where you need to fear for your life if you aren't in particular. I mean, when I was in South Africa a few years ago, um, I made the hotel very nervous with some of the places I was going. And again, if you stay in a good hotel, the concierge services are, are a kind of good insurance because they give you good intel. But the hotel itself, by that I don't mean the hotel property. I mean the hotel was, let's say, situated in a, um, uh, 
and a nice little shopping center. But even to get into the shopping center, you had to go past barriers that had, um, I think they're called bollards, you know, that come up out of the ground and block cars. And before you could drive in there, uh, German shepherds sniffing your car for bombs and this kind of thing, wheeling mirrors underneath uh, the undercarriage, opening your trunk to make sure you didn't have a car bomb. And here I was going to places like, say, Soweto, uh, which is one of the one of the kind of the shanty towns, and the concierge, you know, get very nervous because I'm a you know, quite obviously white guy, um, a Westerner, and um, I run the risk of being, you know, kidnapped and held for some kind of ransom or potentially murdered, uh, because these things happen quite a lot. Elon Musk came to the United States and is now the richest man in the world. He has made his fortune. He has made his fortune in the United States. He recognizes the greatness of America. What Musk has said is, Musk has said, here's where I am, somewhere on the left, and this being the middle. He says the middle has slowly shifted and just keeps moving where I've remained the same. And so Musk says that he is... uh, it isn't he that's moved. He would say the Democratic Party has moved. And Musk has admitted, he has said this in his own words. He said it uh, online. He says that he he voted for Barack Obama, that he voted for, I mean, he's now a U.S. citizen, so he can vote. He voted for Barack Obama. He v- voted for Hillary Clinton, and he voted for Joe Biden. Now, this, he says he regrets, but it does say something maybe about his how politically savvy he isn't, that he would, uh, rich, yes, politically savvy, no, that he would vote for individuals like this. But Elon Musk is broken with Democrats over two issues that are very near and dear to him. And the first one is free speech. Musk says that he bought Twitter. We now we, we know that he paid $44 billion for Twitter. Musk says that he purchased Twitter um, because he believes that free speech is the bedrock of a free civilization. He and he he's used very dramatic language. He says civilization itself is at stake. I agree with Musk in this regard. And so Musk in his personal life, he's not a social conservative. I doubt he is pro-life. I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure he's not in favor of infanticide and he's not in favor of the radical left's agenda. And he sees the weaponizing of government. He sees what's happening there. So uh, a free speech is the first one that turned him against Democrats because he saw what they were doing all across social media. He saw what big tech was doing. He saw what happened in the New York Times, who he has criticized quite a lot. And if you've seen something that he's done... (laughs) He rem- he has given NPR and um, uh, BBC and the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, he has given them all government, um, it's like state-owned media labels. And so CBC came out and said, well, we're less than 70%. 
were less than 70% state-sponsored. So he had put on there 69% state-owned. So you have had, uh, you know, NPR, he put this label on NPR, and NPR had made this big dramatic announcement. We are leaving Twitter because Elon Musk put this label on us. Well, it's what you are. And, and I would actually say that Musk is, is being generous in calling them that because they're more than that. They are actually a wing of the Democratic Party. They're a wing of the Democrat. They're not simply state-owned. They are a wing of the Democratic Party. They are absolutely the propaganda arm of the radical left's agenda. And he's called them out as such. So Musk is, is an enemy, and he may be actually... He may actually be enemy number one for them at present because he poses the most immediate threat to their agenda because he controls one of the largest uh, social media platforms. And I would argue that Twitter is the most important platform for ideas. It, it's, it's not the most visually important one. It's not the most important for old people to connect with each other. That's Facebook. Uh, for beautiful influencers, that is um, Instagram. But in terms of ideas, in terms of the word, in terms of news, it is, and I mean lowercase word, I mean the written word, text. Um, it's Twitter. And Twitter has become a news source. It's a, it's a place where you can go to get actual news of what's going on. Now, I will tell you, the news on a given thing, let's take the, the school shooting in Nashville, it will run the ideological spectrum. But you'll have the wisdom. See, this is where I believe that the American people will have the wisdom to determine which of these versions is actually more truthful. See, now, government doesn't think you, you have that or sh that you deserve the right to make your own choices uh, as to which media you do and you don't, what news you do and you don't consume. They want to determine that for you. I think the the, the free speech means we let everybody have their say, and you decide. You decide for yourself what it is that you want to believe. But Musk, Musk felt that the future of American democracy, the future of civilization, his words, not mine, rests on free speech, and I agree with that. You cannot suppress, you cannot suppress um, dissent in the way that the left has done it. So... Um, the second one is child abuse. So what we're talking about here is his own daughter has become, I don't know if she, if she became a lesbian or transsexual, but, um, but this happened through the education, what she received and Musk has pointed out, this is what you did to my daughter. And the left has taken glee in this and said, we enjoyed transing, their word, your daughter. In other words, we enjoyed weaponizing her against you, making her your enemy. And uh, he is adamantly opposed to this. Uh, he's adamantly opposed to the drag shows, uh, the, uh, the irreversible. He has tweeted that those who perform adolescent sex change surgery should go to jail for life, should go to jail for life. I agree 100%. The parents who allow this, the, the hospitals that perform it, that absolutely should be um, the response to this. So he is adamantly opposed to this. So 
I would say that uh, Musk, by today's standards, he looks very conservative. That's the funny thing is because the center has moved so radically that now a guy like Elon Musk, who, is a who isn't a conservative by any standard American definition, now looks like he's a conservative and has said, do you know who he said he would vote for? He said he'd vote for Ron DeSantis. So, um, boy, that really puts him in an interesting, in an interesting camp these days. And, uh, and we want to be clear that Musk isn't merely a conscientious objector to the radical left's policy. Um, he is actively opposing them. Now, I don't know if he's dumping money into other things the way George Soros has in having, an, and, and Musk has commented on Soros actually quite extensively, and Bill Gates, what they're doing. I don't know that Musk is using his money the way Soros has in, in order to tilt the um, legal system in favor of the radical left by getting these very radical DAs installed all over district attorneys all over the country. I don't know that Musk is doing anything like that, but he certainly is by investing $44 billion in the purchase of Twitter, and as he says, by taking his finger off of the scale. In other words, we're no longer going to amplify the voice of the left, which is what was happening on that social media platform, while simultaneously suppressing the voice of conservatives, which absolutely was happening on that platform. He says, we're, we're removing our finger from the scale, and we're just going to let uh, people speak freely. I mean, unless they're saying something that's, you know, it's uh, absolutely, you know, dangerous, uh, you know, calling for assassinations or something of this nature. Who's the next person on our list? That person is Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas. Now, Clarence Thomas is not the only conservative who is on SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States. He, uh, Alito is a real staunch conservative. He's a genuine um, conservative. But Clarence Thomas has always received the lion's share of vitriol in the post-Antonin Scalia era. Scalia was the embodiment of everything the left hated. And that's because he was smart, he was likable, uh, he was a genuine, hardcore conservative. He was a man of faith. Um, and he, he was brilliant. He was brilliant on the federal bench. He was the conservative on the federal ju judiciary, not just at the Supreme Court, but on the federal judiciary as a whole. Now... It's Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas is the new Scalia. And that's because he's all the things that Scalia was. He except white, which makes it worse for the left. They the left is they are racist to their core. And Clarence Thomas refuses to accept the victim narrative that the left would impose upon all black people. Either you you adopt that as your identity, as your ideological position, or they hate you. They hate you. And if you're a black man like uh, 
suddenly his name has gone straight out of my head. The surgeon wrote the book, Gifted Hands. Um, what's his name? Come on. Carson. Carson. Ben Carson. I spoke with him at a conference uh, in St. Louis some years ago. Um, sat with him and uh, spoke with him and his lovely wife at, uh, at that conference and uh, just spoke just, just before he did. Ben Carson handsome, likable, accomplished, brilliant surgeon, um, but he accomplished without their help. They don't like that. They don't like that. They hate him for that. Instead of celebrating him as they should, wow, you are the American dream. Nope, they don't. They hate him for it. And Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas came from poverty. Clarence Thomas came from poverty Clarence Thomas is a black man who, in his, his color is only relevant here insofar as the left is concerned. That's the point that I, I want to make here. I think from a conservative point of view, we really don't care. But from, from the left's point of view, it matters because there is an ideology, a narrative that they would impose upon your life. And if you will not accept it, they hate you and call you things like Uncle Tom. And so Clarence Thomas is a man who came from poverty. He is the fulfillment of the American dream. He now sits on the highest bench in the, in the land. He's arguably the most powerful, not just black man, black person in the United States. Somebody might say Kamala Harris. No. She is just a puppet. They have sock puppeted her, and uh, she just says whatever they tell her to say. I don't think she has any genuine power at all. Clarence Thomas, I, I can't think of anybody else who would be more powerful than he is. Some might say Obama. Uh, perhaps Obama is, and I suppose maybe even I might say Obama, because I have argued that Obama is actually the real president. He's the puppeteer of Joe Biden. So maybe I retract what I just said. Um, maybe o Obama is the most powerful uh, black man in America. But do we, can we actually call Obama black? His mother was white. His mother's white. And by the way, if being black is so terrible, why is it that those individuals, Colin Kaepernick and, uh, and Obama, who are biracial, black fathers, white mothers, if it's so terrible being black, why did both of them choose to identify themselves as black? They both self-identify as black. And it's because it's advantageous to do so. It is absolutely politically, socially, monetarily advantageous to do so. It wouldn't have been, you know, 50 years ago, uh, but it, it, it certainly is now. And um, both of them have chosen to do that because they are recipients of a, of a certain kind of public grace that is extended to, the, uh, extended to them and uh, both of them have turned it into political and social power and uh, turned themselves into mega millionaires, if not billionaires. You know, it's, it's estimated that, th that the NFL gave Colin Kaepernick $80 million in a settlement for having done nothing. They just wanted him to go away. And, he, of course, he never has gone away, and he'll, he'll expect more more money. So I will say that Clarence Thomas, I, I will right here on live on the show, I will say that Clarence Thomas is the second most powerful, genuinely black man uh, in the country. He's intelligent. 
He's likable. He shows moral courage. He has a moral core. And he is a real conservative, not just pretending to be one. Didn't just say that just to get on the bench. He's a real conservative. And I'm old enough to remember when he went through the, the, the confirmation hearing. The Judiciary Committee and the efforts to smear him at that time were staggering. The whole Anita Hill thing, which was mirrored in what happened with Brett Kavanaugh. The same kind of treatment, which, by the way, they never brought up with Joe Biden. Be back in a moment. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Welcome back to the Larry Alex Taunton Show. I am Larry Alex Taunton, and this is the last segment of this show. And in this last segment, I'm going to give you the last person on our list of five. So, so far, we have named in no particular order. I'm not ranking them in terms of their importance. I'm just just making a list here. Again, this is enemies of the deep state, a most wanted list. These are the top five most wanted individuals from my perspective. The people the left hates most of all, and quite honestly, people who I think should take very good care of their own lives. Uh, I, I really believe the left is capable of absolutely anything in order to seize power. Would they assassinate them? I think they're capable of it. But at the very least, they have tried to create an atmosphere where violence would be committed against them. I mean, bear in mind, it was a transsexual activist who entered into a Nashville school and began shooting Christians. And the left, what did they do? Madonna came to Nashville to hold a fundraiser for the Christian school. Well, of course she didn't. She came and held a fundraiser for transsexuals. The media showed no sympathy for that school, for the survivors of that shooting, for the families of those who were murdered, for the victims, none whatsoever. And when you do things like that, you're creating an atmosphere where violence is acceptable. This was what, this is what the Nazis did in 1930s Germany, where they would say, well, we, we don't endorse violence against the Jews, but hey, it happened, and they kind of deserved it. So our list is, uh, you know, Trump, Ron DeSantis, uh, Clarence Thomas, Elon Musk, and the last figure on our list is, as far as media figures go, he is enemy number one, and that's Tucker Carlson. The left, the New York Times is absolutely obsessed with Tucker Carlson. They attack him nonstop. They try to suggest that he's a manipulator, that he's a little crazy. This is what I remember about Tucker Carlson that very few people uh, perhaps do. Tucker Carlson, much like me, by the way, just at a much, much bigger level, got his start in television with CNN. He had a show on CNN. He moved from CNN to MSNBC, which is even more leftist. He was their to token conservative. That was back in the day when um, I was kind of the token conservative for, for some of these uh, various publications. You know, I wrote, um, you know, a, a bit for The Atlantic or that I did some television from time to time with CNN. I also appeared on MSNBC on uh, Matthew, uh, Chris Matthews' Hardball. Um, they would have conservatives from time to time because it was their way. They'd have 
radical leftist stuff and then the 2% conservatives. So you could say, well, we let their voice be heard. Now they don't even do that. But what's interesting is that CNN and MSNBC, whatever they say of him now, they didn't seem to think he was a fascist or a crazy person back then. They just, as a guy, they didn't agree with. Now they attack him relentlessly and portray him as a complete whack job. If you think that of Tucker Carlson, you're not listening to Tucker Carlson. He's reasonable. Um, he's likable. He feels like a guy who you'd sit with in your backyard and flip burgers with. Uh, and he seems also like a guy, and this is something I actually really like about T Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson comes off as a guy who s would prefer to be doing something else, but who sees this not as his job, but as his calling, much the way as I do about what I do. It's why I can identify with this. I prefer not to be doing this, but I am doing it because I feel passionate about what's happening in this country. And I want to equip and inform my side of the, uh, the cultural debate while defeating the arguments of those that oppose us. This is Tucker Carlson. And Carlson, they, they've made every effort to destroy his credibility. Antifa came to his home and intimidated his family and hurled threats at his wife while the police, this again, this is what defund the police is all about. They look the other way. Politicians turn the other way. Tucker Carlson is a force more than Joe Rogan, I think. He is a force in American politics. And it's because he lays out a logical argument and batters away at the opposition with common sense and with facts. And if there, there's nothing the left hates more than for you to confront their arguments and their corruption with facts. And this is what Tucker Carlson does. And it's why I'm a real admirer of Tucker Carlson. But just simply be aware, ladies and gentlemen, this is the way the left works. They try to destroy the credibility of those people who oppose them. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been great to be with you uh, today. We will be back again with another episode of the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Turn out the lights. The party's over. They say that all. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful for the standing ovation, but there will be no encore for today's performance. Please exit the building in an orderly fashion. Thank you. Honey, can we leave now?